Hey everybody, it's me, Erica. And Rachel. And this is Story Crime, everybody. Woo! This is weird because we're uh, recording on a Monday today, and it feels strange. Does it? Actually, who am I kidding? It doesn't because time <laughs> all bleeds all together now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the days have been bleeding together. I actually texted my teaching partner last week, and I was like, hey, I'm going to go into the school next week, and we're I'm going to get things set up, so if you can't make it, that's okay, but just let me know what you want done. And she's like, why are you going next week? And I said, because school starts after that. She's like, no, it doesn't. We still have two weeks <laughs> off, you big dope. I'm like, oh. <laughs> God, don't sell your vacation short, honey. I know. I, You know what, though? Like, obviously, if I could be on vacation forever, it'd be great. But mm. I kind of miss being at work. Usually around this time of summer, I start to, like, want to go back. Really? That all this changes time- by Thanksgiving. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two days in, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sucks. pretty excited. Um, well, that's good. I'm glad you're excited. Keep that excitement. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you have to go back next week. At yeah. least I still have one more week off. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. How was your Nothing. weekend? My weekend was good. We, it, well, I know you and Will were down. We saw you guys, but Rob and I went to that arcade bar that yeah. uh, you told me about for some reason yeah. in my city that I've never been to, but you have. <laughs> And I kind of lost Rob to the Terminator Judgment Day arcade game. And he like went back in time to being 13. I don't think he left that game for a whole hour. That's hilarious. And like, it's a fun place, isn't it? It is. And I'm not really into video games. So like I walked around and I would like play things here or there. Mm -hmm. I've never been good with the hand-eye coordination needed to play a video game. So I was failing (laughs) miserably at everything I played. Thankfully, like all the games are free. Like you don't have to pay. Once you pay that cover, you don't have to pay anything to to play the games. Mm -hmm. But um, I went back like after an hour of wandering around, I went back and Rob is like, probably achieving a high score of some sort on that judgment day machine and i'm just i don't know if i just like sat there and drank beer because i was like well i pretty much played every game that's hilarious (laughs) i wonder if like the the high scoreboard is the same as like when we're 13 you know it's like ass tit like three letter (laughs) swear words (laughs) (laughs) you play you get both the high scores the and your the number one is butt and number two is hole spelled h-o-l butthole (laughs) and you just like work steadily throughout the whole afternoon just to get those two high scores you can make it butthole or boob bees (laughs) bobbies Bobbies. Um, remember doing that on the calculator? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Boobies, yeah. Boobies on the calculator. Oh, that was fun times. That is funny. All right. Well, I don't really have too much to talk about before we get into this today. So what do you say we just get into it? Let's give her a go. Um, I do... I do want to give a bit of a warning today that there we are going to be talking about the death of some children here. Oh. I'm not going to go into much detail, but it is there. So if that's not your jam. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. 
please feel free to listen next time. But otherwise, we're going to get right into it. So today we are going to be talking about a man named Andre Lee Thomas. And we tried to record this one a few weeks ago, but that was when we had technical difficulties and my computer was not computing the way it should be. So Rachel, you know the story. Feel free to I'd pipe in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like you want to pop in, pipe in and, and you remember. Otherwise, try to act surprised. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Andre Lee Thomas was born on March 17th, 1983. Two parents, Rochelle and Danny Thomas in Sherman, Texas. Andre grew up in an extreme poverty. Like his childhood was pretty miserable. Um, something that we probably can't even wrap our minds around the way that this poor kid had to grow up. Mm-hmm. Much of his childhood was spent in a home where there was no electricity or running water just because his parents simply could not afford to keep those utilities running. His mother would often rely on donations from the church to help pay the bills while his mostly absent father worked odd jobs. And uh, when I say mostly absent, I mean like extremely absent. Like he just really, well, he would pop in and out, but I think he spent a lot of the time of the time away from the family. So Mm. now Andre's mother, Rochelle was deeply religious and she also suffered from mental illness, which in my opinion, religion and mental illness do not. Like sometimes I'm sure going to the church and and immersing yourself in that situation can be helpful. But sometimes when you're very like fanatically religious, as it appears Rochelle was, you mix that with mental illness. And I think it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, Now, Rochelle was one of nine children who was born to her mother, Vivian. Vivian also suffered from mental illness. And it was reported that she was an alcoholic by the age of 14. 14. Holy cow. So young. She would go on to marry Andre's grandfather in her early teens, and this would begin a cycle of abusive relationships that would just repeat itself over and over again throughout Mm -hmm. Vivian's life. Andre's grandfather was also extremely abusive to Vivian, once even pushing her down so hard and violently when she was pregnant that Mm -hmm. the impact of that fall fractured the baby's leg in utero. So you imagine the amount of force you need. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, that's... That's, yeah. like, mind-boggling that that can even happen. Considering the amount of, like, cushioning and fluid and all of that meant to protect like, an unborn baby. And the that elasticity of bones, I'm sure, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, yeah, crazy. Uh, sources said that Andre's grandfather, although he wasn't officially diagnosed, and I can't imagine that many people were at this part of history, because I'm assuming this would be about the 60s or 70s. Um, he would also display signs that he al- that he too struggled with his mental health. Mm-hmm. It was said in several articles about the case that he would behave extremely strangely. And some of Andre's uncles would say that their father would do strange things that seemed to serve no purpose whatsoever, like take all the food in their house and just leave it in the front yard to spoil. Weird. Weird. Now, when Vivian... Andre's grandmother divorced Andre's grandfather, she would go on to marry a man by the name of Walter Martin. In 1973, during one of their many fights, Walter would point a shotgun to Vivian's head. Her son Gregory would try to step in and get the gun away from his stepfather, but unfortunately, Walter would end up shooting him in the stomach, resulting in his death. Oh my God. 
Walter apparently would show no remorse for this crime, stating that I planted one of your kids and I intend to plant another. Oh, what a sick fuck. He seems like a nice guy. No? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) No. He doesn't. Uh, So Andre's mother, Rochelle, was extremely close to her brother, Gregory, and his death caused her to sink into a deep depression, which she would never really break out of. Um, This would result result in her coping with using drugs and alcohol um, and just other reckless behaviors. And by the time that Andre was born, Rochelle had already started repeating the same cycles as her mother. So entering into abusive relationships, drinking heavily, doing drugs, that kind of thing. Hmm. Now, Rochelle would end up having six children of her own, and Andre was the fifth of the six children who were all boys. Oh, no. That sounds crazy. Um, oh, boys, that many? That many. And, you know, like, Rochelle, she had a lot, aside from trauma and abuse situations, it was also said in some sources that Rochelle had been sexually assaulted by Walter mm-hmm. on multiple occasions, so her stepfather. Yeah. Um, she just, having six kids and not having all that trauma and all of that abuse in your life and and all of that going on is hard on its own having and then having six kids i imagine it was really really difficult for rochelle now there isn't a lot of information out there about andre's father and his family history but it has been reported that he came from a similar background as his mother rochelle some sources said that alcoholism mental illness domestic violence they were all a common theme in his family so that interge- intergenerational trauma just was there from both sides and Andre was doomed from this. Yeah. So there, we can't be sure. And like, I could not find any information on this out there. So I couldn't be sure if Daniel actually himself suffered from any of this mental, these mental illnesses. I'm sure trauma, there was a lot of, of that going on in his life. But mm-hmm. I did read that one of his brothers suffered from alcohol-induced dementia. Well, there was another brother that was housed in a mental health facility due to, like, extreme intellectual delays. Wow. Damn. So it's really clear from looking at Andre's family history that this is a family that unfortunately suffered from enormous amounts of trauma. Mm-hmm. And with the history of addiction and domestic violence, coupled with generational mental illness, it would seem that Andre didn't stand a chance in hell of having <laughs> yeah. a normal life. Honestly. So, however, even though his family situation was really chaotic and unpredictable, Andre thrived as a young boy and was described as being an energetic, bright kid. He had an insatiable hunger to learn. Andre and his four brothers to sort, or sorry, his five brothers to sort of get out of that um, chaos that was going on in the family home. They would attend church regularly. And Andre was actually fascinated by the Bible. He would spend hours reading the Bible, memorizing stories. And he really had like almost like, it can be described as having a photographic memory, I guess, for these Bible verses. And he would recite them. That's pretty cool. One of his Sunday school teachers actually shared that she remembered Andre would often, like she would go to ask the question and he would shoot his hand up before she even had a chance to finish asking the question. So Hmm. just a really bright kid, really wanting to share what he knew. He wanted, it seems that he wanted the teachers to know, like, look at me, I'm so smart. And like, Mm -hmm. I just want to be involved. I want to do this. So 
Um, He received remarkable grades in his early years of schooling and was eventually placed in the gifted and talented program at school. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. Andre was also described as a bit of a tinkerer. Like he just loved figuring things out and looking at things. And he was known to take apart different things like toasters and, you know, old radios and stuff like that. And he just wanted to see how they worked and what their insides looked like and then put them back together and, and all that. So, Hmm. and also he was extremely artistic. And one of the things that his brother shared in an article was that he would draw like these futuristic cars and tell them that one day he was going to build these cars. So it's very imaginative. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Good for him, little boy. Now, At around third grade, things started to change for Andre. He would confide in friends at school that he was starting to hear voices in his head. And he would describe these voices as uh, demons and angels uh, arguing in his head, trying to convince him to do things, telling him to kill himself. That sounds Um, terrifying. As a little third grader, like what, eight? Yeah. That's scary. Seven? Jeez. Yeah. He... Also would tell friends that he truly believed that he was Raiden from the popular video game Mortal Kombat. Really? really? Side note, side note, played that at the arcade too the other day. Yeah. So, but but Andre truly believed, I think that was a really popular game in, in the yeah. early 90s. And he was, this would have been about that time. And he truly believed that he was that character. Wow. Later on, um, doctors would say that Andre was experiencing uh, what he was experiencing at this time was likely auditory hallucinations, probably caused by schizophrenia. But he was never diagnosed when he was a kid with anything, so there's no way to be sure. But that's what it sounded like to, to doctors. Now, Andre's mental state would continue to deteriorate. And by the age of 10, he would make his first attempt at actually ending his own life. At he 10 would, years old? Yes. And he would do this by slitting his wrists. Yeah. Oh. And even sadder, by the time he was just 13, he had already attempted suicide at least twice, maybe three times, what? according to different sources. No. I know. That's so this sad. poor little boy. He must have and, been so terrified of oh. his thoughts. Like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. I completely agree. Like, I'm... When I was doing the research for this and other cases, this has come up too. I think I I really was thinking about it when I was researching the Eric Smith episode and other ones that involve kids, um, especially kids that are struggling so much with mental health or committing crimes. I feel so badly for them. And as somebody that works with kids every day, um, and I know I work with kindergarten, but I have good relationships with a lot of my former students that are much older now. Mm -hmm. It's really made me be more kind of in tune and aware of these kids that could be struggling, like Mm -hmm. to, to really like to go either to them myself or go to somebody that can intervene and say like, listen, like I'm concerned. I noticed these things happening. So it's just really sad that there was, didn't seem to be anybody like that for Andre at this point. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're like that because truthfully not everybody is either still so and I, I think the problem at this age when when kids are behaving like this at this age they think it's a phase they'll grow out of it yeah but as we'll learn with this case specifically they don't always yeah you know so yeah. wow. now at around age 11 this is when andre started finding himself in trouble with the law for the first time 
So he had already started smoking weed at this point, and this was no doubt to try and quiet the voices that he was hearing in his head mm-hmm. and kind of numb the pain that he was enduring from his mental illness. Yeah. He was also charged with criminal mischief after alleging, allegedly damaging some golf carts, and I couldn't find any other details on that, but hmm. here we are. At age 15, he was arrested and placed on probation after stealing a car and driving it into a ditch. Oh, Sadly, um, Andre would find himself navigating the justice system completely on his own without Mm. any parental support. His parents were just his, like I said, his father was mostly absent and his mother was had her own issues, had her own. She was fighting her own demons at this point. So when it came to supporting her children, she just unfortunately was not capable of doing that. Um, Not defending Rochelle. I'm just saying I understand yeah, for sure. That, that, that happened. That it, it, This family isn't the only one that goes through these kind of problems. So just acknowledging that that's the facts and that's what happened. Um, mm-hmm. Rochelle would actually later state uh, that most of the time uh, she couldn't even keep track of which school her kids were attending, let alone show up to meet with probation officers or go to court uh, appearances. She just keep, couldn't even keep all the kids straight at this point so yeah well i mean there's a lot of them yeah and it sounds like they have complex ish like needs so yeah Yeah, so i'm not i did read in a couple sources that andre did have a couple at least two of his brothers suffered from extreme mental illness one of them being diagnosed with schizophrenia but i only read that in in one source and i couldn't confirm it so i'm not sure so just take that with a grain of salt, but mm-hmm. definitely she's dealing with her own issues. Plus she's got these kids that are struggling. I imagine that it's. That's layers and layers. Yeah. Almost like an impossible situation for somebody like yeah. Rochelle. As Andre got older, his mental health conditions continued to worsen and the once bright and energetic student started missing classes and his grades would slip to the point where he actually had to repeat the entire seventh grade. So I'm sad. He did. I did read in some sources that he would end up pulling his grades up and being placed back in a gifted program, but that was short lived. That sucks. Yeah. His family life continued to deteriorate. And at one point, his mother informed the family that she was going to move them to Oklahoma. So Andre told his probation officer this, and he ended up being placed in a juvenile detention center to avoid moving. Now, in an article, wanted to be. I, I wasn't clear on that, but I mean, in my opinion, I think that it was probably a good move for Andre, because um, this would really be the first time that anybody was really watching over him and True. having any level of interest in what was actually going on in his life. And actually, mm-hmm. the journalist Mark uh, Bookman, who wrote an article for this for the website Mother Jones, and he seems to have quite extensive knowledge on this case. He wrote that the justice system would become Andre's surrogate parent, keeping tabs on his whereabouts and overseeing his affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, this is just me speculating, but I think that that would be something really positive in Andre's life just because he yeah. didn't have that kind of guidance at home. So despite his troubles, Andre would meet and start dating a girl named Laura Boren when he was in his early years of high school. And she would kind of become a shining light in his otherwise dark existence. Oh, and yeah, the two would start their relationship when Laura was just 14 and Andre was 15. And when Andre turned 16, Laura would give birth to their son, Andre Jr. Young. Yeah. Yeah. Babies having babies. Yeah. 
Now, the couple would get married two years later on Andre's 18th birthday, and after the birth of his son, Andre would decide to drop out of school, he would get his GED, which is responsible, and he would try to get a job to support his family. He ended up working a variety of low-paying jobs, anything really that he could find, um, one of which was digging graves at a local cemetery, which I, there's like a low-key part of me that would, honestly, if I was in shape, want to do that, and I don't know why. I don't think I would. I it's think a little I would spooky. Take two shovelfuls and be like, "That's it. I'm done. Cool. Bye." <laughs> Andre. Okay. So, sorry. This part I got a little confused about. It would appear in some sources that Andre and Laura would move into Laura's parents' house. Okay. okay. For for a little while, and then they would move in with Andre's mother. But just two weeks after moving in with Andre's mother, Rochelle would kick the couple out. Now, for some reason, Laura, on her own with Andre Jr., would move in with her parents, leaving Andre to go and find living arrangements on his own. And he would end up moving in with some friends, and he'd stay with his brother for a little while before eventually finding his own apartment. So I'm not really sure why Laura went on her own to live with her parents and why Andre maybe wasn't welcome there or or what the story is. There really wasn't any details on that. Um, But what we do know is that although Andre and Laura would try to make their marriage work, sadly, just four months after saying their I do's, Laura would call it quits. She would separate from Andre. From that point on, Andre's struggles with mental illness only continued to worsen. He was finding it difficult to secure steady work, and soon he couldn't even afford to keep his utilities on. And this would force Laura into the difficult position of limiting Andre's visitation with his young son just out of worry for the child's safety and well-being at the time yeah according to friends and family this was a time when Andre was showing more outward signs of his declining mental health and he would start talking about the bible more and more and he was apparently obsessed with revelations which from what I understand is a uh, part of the bible that if you're obsessed with, it's going to scare the ever-living shit out of you. So, oh, really? Do you know very what part sc- it is? Like, what it's about? It's like the end of the world, and, like, oh. you're surely going to die. Like, it's, I'm not, I mean, I could be totally wrong on that. I am not a religious person by any means, nor have I studied the Bible, but I know revelations can be scary. Okay. And mix that with his mental health issues. Well, and he's already seeing or hearing demons and angels. I can't yeah. imagine revelations in there mixed with oh gosh yes um he was also known to quote this chapter of the bible quite often oh. so um andre would also stop talking sometimes for days at a time even placing tape over his mouth to prevent him from speaking I don't because know. he was afraid of what he would say i think it was just something in his head was telling him he shouldn't be speaking so he's not going to and he yeah. Wow. Um, Audrey would attempt suicide multiple times and would oh. find himself in and out of jail. He would become fixated okay. on the $1 bill, saying that he could see secret codes in it that would deliver his salvation and that oh. he was one of the 13 warriors and all sorts of crazy shit about the wow. $1 bill. Yeah. Despite this, Andre would still try to seek treatment for his mental health condition. He was still trying, at least. However, anytime he would ask for help with his mental illness, that help just was never received by or provided by anyone. And Andre every time. And Andre would be sent out back on his own to try to struggle through life. 
That's so sad. Now, like poor guy. Yeah, and we do know without a doubt that Andre sought this assistance because of all the visits that he made to the hospitals and all the times that he sp- spent in jail over the years, all of these visits and, and um, help-seeking behavior was documented mm-hmm. and it clearly stated that like officials in these in the positions that could have helped him they all documented that they believed him to be mentally ill just yet nothing was ever done they never so they all thought he was mentally ill but they didn't think to prescribe him or diagnose it with anything but all of these health professionals noted it all i know rachel is that trying to get mental um health treatment anywhere i know in canada it's a little bit easier we have a it's not quite as bad but in the u.s it's pretty bad stuff it's almost like impossible impossible they just the the funding uh this would be early 2000s at this point yeah still pretty bad but yeah more you would think more common and more out there but that's so it's still even today professionals like disregard yeah like it's just he would just face that. And they, like I said, they all, it's all documented. So we know, and if you go on and read any of the court files and, and that on this, um, you'll see that it's documented over the years that he did seek help, that help wasn't provided. So. Um, out of curiosity, is he a black man? He is. And that actually plays a bit of a role in this. Although some people involved in the justice system that, yeah, was handling no, this case would say that that wasn't what was happening. Everything, and that is but, so enriching. And I actually just recently, um, and I know he's not for everyone, but I recently watched an episode of John Oliver that was about um, mental health services in the U.S. And actually, it's so hard for African American citizens of the U.S. to really receive not mm-hmm. only like adequate mental health care, but also like mental health care that you know, yeah, is being provided by so, like a black therapist. Like it just, it's so hard. And I get that like that shouldn't matter, but it it really does, especially when you're going well, to confide about things that, um, you know, are so personal to you. You want somebody that understands where you're coming from, that mm-hmm. understands your culture and your background, and it's just not available. And it's still not, this is 2022 and we're still, you know, people oh, yeah. are still fighting to get the, these uh, resources available, and it's just not there. So, un, uneven balance of mental yeah. health, health yeah. and aid to people yeah. of color. It's sad. Yeah, and what makes it even worse is that there's just n- no help available for anyone. <laughs> right? Wow. Like it's yeah, unless you're you know rich rich yeah <laughs> so andre would eventually overdose on an over-the-counter cough medicine called coracidin mm-hmm. and he would be sent to a mental health facility in sherman where he asked the staff during this visit to kill him multiple times mm-hmm. said he did not deserve to live that he wanted to die now so for some strange reason Andre would be released from this facility under the assurance that he would go straight to the hospital. But can you guess what Andre didn't do? And that was go, go to the hospital. To the hospital. <laughs> and they they just let him go by himself. They, they were like, "You like, can go. There was no, just go to the hospital, my no friend." Trans, transportation, transport no. provided. Like they just were like, "We're going to trust that you're going to go." 
Yeah, okay. Right. So they did issue a warrant for his immediate apprehension. But of course, again, this was never followed through. And there's no records to show that the police even attempted to look for him. Yeah. Now, a little while later, he would overdose again. And this time, he would also stab himself in the chest. No, come on, poor guy. He would be treated at the Texoma Medical Center, where the attending physician would say that Andre was suicidal and that he wanted to cross into heaven. And then they just released him onto the streets, I bet you. Not quite this time, but it's still equally annoying. The physician also claimed that he could really, like, he could actually tell that Andre was really mentally ill and appeared to be psychotic. He said that it seemed like, based on what Andre was telling him, he thought that Andre believed that he, like, Andre himself was real. Nothing else was. Right. Um, like he was living, um, actually quoted from the article that I read on this was that he was living in the holodeck from Star Wars or Star Trek, which if you know what that is, it's like a simulated reality, mm. like next level VR, basically. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So. And that was Andre's everyday life 24-7. Yeah. Jesus. Now, this doctor would leave Andre alone for a bit to go fill out paperwork um, to have an emergency detention order for Andre where he would... Um, be sent to the mental health ward at the hospital. Mm -hmm. However, while this doctor was away filling out the paperwork, Andre simply got up and walked out of the hospital. Oh, no. (laughs) So the hospital would call the police this time to inform them that they believed Andre was a danger to himself and others. But there's no evidence that they even tried, that the police even tried finding him again. They were just like, oh, cool, thanks, and didn't do anything. Of course. Useless fucking cops all the time. All the time. It wouldn't be long until the police would find him, though. And this isn't because they went looking for him. It's because Andre, just days after being really or leaving the hospital, would walk into the Sherman Police Department to confess to murdering his ex-wife, Laura, his four-year-old son, Andre Jr. What? And Laura's two-year-old daughter, Leah. (gasps) Okay. Um, So, again, a little trigger warning. This is... um, I'm just going to be talking briefly about the murders here. Again, not going to go into graphic detail, but there are some details that are important for this case. So if you don't want to hear about the kids, you can fast forward about 25, 30 seconds. Um, yeah. Okay, Here's but hold on before you get to that, um, if those cops would have just got off their goddamn ass and gone and got him, those the murders wouldn't have happened. That is so uh, enraging. I mean, that's probably accurate, yes. But how do we know that even if they did get him, bring him to the hospital, that he wouldn't just walk out? Like, I know. I don't know. Again, the services, like the level of service you're getting is still not there. And yeah, it's the people who so, could have prevented this didn't. It's so, so wrong on all so many levels <laughs> that like time after time, the system keeps failing this guy. Yeah. And in turn, failing literally everyone else. Literally everyone else. On March 27th, 2004, Andre would walk to Laura's apartment that she shared with her new boyfriend, Brian Hughes. Now, her boyfriend had already left for work by the time Andre arrived. And when he got there, he would kick in the door. He would find Laura in the apartment and he would stab her in the chest and then would cut it open and remove a piece of her lung, mistaking it for her heart. Okay. He wanted to take her heart? He wanted to take her heart, but ended up grabbing a piece of lung because he thought I mean, it was her heart. That's gross. 
Yeah. He would then go into the children's bedroom where he would find his four-year-old son, Andre Jr., and two-year-old Leia. He would also stab both of them in the chest and remove their hearts as well. Poor babies. Now, Andre would use three different knives to commit these murders, and he would Mm -hmm. later say that this was to prevent the victim's blood from mixing and releasing the demons that he believed were living inside of them. Oh, okay, okay. He thought there was demons in them. He also stabbed them out, like like vampire kind of demons. Yeah. Stuff. Mm. He also would go on to tell police later that he believed his ex wife Laura was Jezebel, Andre oh. Jr. was the Antichrist, Uh-oh. and that Leia was simply possessed. And you know what? Like he probably wholeheartedly believed that because of yeah. all the people in his head that were telling him that yeah. the demon and the angel. Jesus yeah. Murphy, that is uh, <laughs> Yeah. Andre would th- it is a lot. Andre would then go on to stab himself three times in the chest before laying down beside Laura in the living room, expecting to die from his wounds. Hmm. When he laid down, he would take the one dollar bill out of his wallet that he was obsessed with and mm-hmm. lay it beside Laura with the eye on the top of the pyramid facing up. I'm not sure why he did this, but it was something that he did. I'm sure it was something significant to Andre at the time. Yeah, very symbolic. When he realized that he wasn't dying, he would place all three of his victims' hearts in a bag, put them in his pocket, and walk home. Oh, no, no, no. Once he arrived home, he would call Laura's parents and leave a voicemail on their answering machine that appeared to be him begging for help. Oh, God. In the message, he said... Um, Sherry, this is Andre. I need y'all's help. Something bad is happening to me and it keeps happening and I don't know what's going on. No. I need some help. I think I'm in hell. I need help. Somebody needs to come and help me. I need help real bad. I'm desperate. I'm afraid to go to sleep. So when you get this message, come by the house, please. Hello? I have chills. That is so, like... And I'm not defending Andre Thompson's actions here. Like, this is obviously a crime that shouldn't have happened. But it's clear that he does not understand what's going on. No, it was not a clear state of mind committing this crime. Yeah. And um, once we get a little further into this, um, because there is a lot more to this story, you'll... I'm sure you'll agree with me that this was not a man that was capable of seeing the world as it really was and understanding that these actions had life or death consequences at the time. So especially um, if he's living in that Star Trek state, like his whole time. Yeah. There's no way. Now it was after receiving this message that Laura's father, Paul would go to his daughter's house. It would be Paul that would find the bodies of his daughter, Laura and his two grandchildren, Andre Jr. And Leia. That poor man. And I have no idea what he could have seen. No. Now, like I said, Andre would confess to what he had done before turning himself in to the Sherman police. He would confess his actions to his new girlfriend, and Mm. she would convince him to go to the police station. Good. He would tell them that God had told him to commit these murders, and he would say that he hadn't actually killed them, but he had freed them from evil. Wow. And I bet you he, again, he probably wholeheartedly believes that. Oh, and for sure. And he thought he was doing something good for them. Yeah. He thought he was helping them. Saving them. Yeah. Jeez. Andre would be taken by police to the hospital to undergo surgery in his chest before being placed in jail 
after his recovery. Mm-hmm. Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moonroof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit grandma. She's getting up there. That's like... A whole lifetime in seven days. And like one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. While in jail awaiting trial, Andre would refuse any medication. He was being overseen by some nurses, and he would refuse any of the antipsychotic information that they were trying to... Sorry, any of the antipsychotic medication that they were trying to give him. And instead he would obsessively read the Bible. And according to most sources, just after spending five days in jail, when Andre would come to the Bible verse, Matthew 947, which reads, and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Andre would go on to do just as that passage instructed. He would use his hands uh-uh. To gouge out his own uh, right eye. Uh, uh, uh. No, ma'am. According to an article from Texas Monthly that actually did a really good six-part series on this case, um, on his way to the hospital, Andre would repeatedly ask to see Laura, stating that he wanted to ask for her forgiveness. The children had already absolved him, but she would not. I love her, and I need her to forgive me. Oh, oh poor man. But like, hold on. So he he dug out his own eye. Yes. With his bare hands. Bare hands. And they, they Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> After Andre had pulled out his eye, um, all criminal proceedings and everything all everything came to a halt. They had yeah, to stop. I would hope so. He was sent to North Texas State Hospital. Hospital? He was sent to North Texas State Hospital to be observed by psychiatrists who ended up diagnosing him as schizophrenic. Finally, a diagnosis. It only took gouging your fucking eyeball out to get a diagnosis. To get diagnosed. Like, how many I eyeballs did- do I got to gouge out to get a diagnosis around here? Turns out, run. The court declared Thomas incompetent and remanded him to Vernon State Hospital, which was a maximum security psychiatric facility. Thomas was treated for schizophrenia there, and he was given Zyprexa, which is a really strong antipsychotic. He would spend 47 days in the hospital before psychiatrist Joseph Black would inform the court that Andre was suffering from what he believed to be a drug-induced psychosis. You're fucking kidding me. This guy needs to get fucked. He said that he was confident to stand trial now and that <gasps> everybody just watch out because he might uh, malinger a bit. He might exaggerate his uh, <gasps> his mental uh, illness by engaging in self-harm. Okay. Stop. And it. other aberrant behavior. Apparently now so- gouging out your own eye is considered self-harm. <laughs> Well, never. that's definitely self-harm. It's self-harm, but like, but like I mean, exaggerated. Um, no, sweetheart, yeah, no. that is the most extreme yeah. of self-harm. So I don't think it's exaggerated. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And yeah. drug-induced. So he basically was saying to the court that he's just faking it. I want to punch uh, this guy right in the throat. And you know what? And now is- he's oh, he's competent now. P.S. <clears throat> like, 
47 days, that's enough to cure him. That is abs. Oh my God, I'm so mad. Well, and like the thing is, is that yes, the there's no denying that Andre had overdosed on Corsida and the cough medicine and that he probably drank and he probably did drugs. However, if you, if they took a minute to even look a little bit into Andre's history from childhood, they would have seen that some of these symptoms symptoms were showing up well before when When he was was 10 years old, eight, nine, 10 years old. And to my knowledge and you know i would this is me making assumptions here but i would imagine he wasn't doing drugs and drinking as as, at seven and eight years old Mm -hmm. i could be wrong on that entirely but i just don't see the light that being very likely considering that he was in the gifted program he's probably not skipping school and doing drugs yeah so basically this guy was stating that he was probably faking it in order to gain sympathy from the court and use the insanity defense and his defense would go on to piece of shit to to use the insanity defense but i think it was they were absolutely within the lines of using that you know yeah now due to the fact that he was suffering from pancreatitis at the time andre's defense lawyer never objected to any of these claims made by this doctor What? what kind of a lawyer are you I mean, Court, what it's probably the public, public it's probably was a public defender. Um, and what else? The other thing I read in, in some of the articles, too, was that his main lawyer was sick with pancreatitis and the co-counsel was brand new, had no um, experience working a capital murder or doing like defending in a capital murder case. So yeah. just had no idea. So, I mean, inadequate defense, I would say, is a good appeal strategy for later, but mm-hmm. that's just me. Andre would go to trial on February 15th, 2004. And it's important to keep in mind, as we established earlier, that Andre was a black man. Mm-hmm. However, during jury selection, any black prospective jurors were ultimately struck, and what? the entire jury for his trial was white. What? Hold on. To make matters worse in this case, during the jury questionnaire stage where they have to fill out, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff, at least three of the jurors stated that they were opposed to interracial marriage. Laura Boren, the victim in this case, was white and stop Andre's it. ex-wife. No. Fucking stop it. One of the jurors actually wrote in their questionnaire, I don't believe God intended for this. We should stay with our own bloodline. No. Like so there is a racist blatantly like not even trying to hide racist right. person in the jury and, and they let them stay with the other fa- three that were in there too. And to be fair to that juror, he didn't ask to be selected. I think he probably wrote that down so he wouldn't be he would selected. Get booted. And they didn't. And they kept him his own and Andre's lawyers kept him too. Like what the fuck? He I got, he got ugh, they did him so dirty. Now, Andre's mental state would be front and center during the trial, with the prosecution stating that, well, what he did was certainly crazy. His mental illness was actually the result of drug and alcohol abuse, which under Mm. Texas law invalidates any kind of insanity defense. Again, they did not. The defense did not object to this. They did not even try to bring up any of Andre's uh, medical and mental health history dating back to when he was a child. I'm so mad. They I feel also like st- I could have been a better defense attorney at this point. Right. They also stated that the eyeball incident was an impulsive act, not an insane one. 
Uh, hold on. Okay. It might have been impulse, but it is definitely insane. You don't gouge your eye out with your bare hand as a sane person, like in your right state of mind. Absolutely not. I like, I mean, I have wear contact lenses, so I'm not like afraid of touching my own eye, but like, I still like one thing I do have a hard time with is putting drops in my eye. I fucking hate that (laughs) feeling. I can't imagine what it's like to gouge your own eye out. To take your finger, yeah, put it probably in that little tear duct, and keep going. No, no, no. You are not in your right state of mind. Absolutely not. No. Now, of course, Andre's defense team went straight to the insanity defense, citing that the okay. eye incident and other aspects of his personality and behaviors leading up to the murders. Unfortunately, Andre's family history, like I said, when it came to mental illness, was never brought up in court, and not during. Even- Nothing. Uh, During the trial, Andre was also described as being in almost catatonic state. Yeah, completely put him on. He was completely disassociated from what was happening. He would be seen eating Skittles at the defense table, and it was almost like it was almost like this was something. Yeah, well, and or like this whole thing that was going on was something that was happening around him, not to him. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, because he's in his Star Trek world like that's yeah he doesn't oh my god this poor man i know right now now ultimately the jury would of course rule in favor of the state and andre would be found guilty of capital (gasps) murder and would receive the death penalty for his crimes you're joking me andre was sent to the polinsky unit of the texas department of criminal justice and this is a prison that houses male death row inmates and if you know anything about death row this is not a place where you're offered any treatment if you have a mental illness you are sent there because there's one reason and one reason only and you're going to die so there is absolutely no treatment any programs no resources for andre whatsoever so he's sitting there probably just declining in his mental state and i can't Yes. Even imagine the thoughts that he's probably getting and wrestling oh, with. Yeah. So while he was in prison on death row, Andre continued to hear voices and mm-hmm. claimed he could see demons coming out of the walls. And oh. those demons were playing Queen Chess. songs, which yeah. if you're a fan of Queen, Queen? it's not oh. a bad deal. But I mean, if you don't like Queen, that's goddamn well terrifying. That's torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the demons themselves are, are I'm sure, terrifying. But I just, yeah. I, I don't want to say you found it funny. It's just like very specific. I want to, I kind of want to dig deeper into what the trauma was there with Queen. But yeah. But honestly, that's probably, it was probably so terrifying. It probably was. Oh my God. Um, there was also an inmate in the cell block that claimed to be the Antichrist and would scream about it constantly. And this would cause oh, Andre, of course, even more distress. Yeah, that's certainly not going to help him. So this distress would lead Andre in July 2008 to attempt suicide once again. This time he would try to slit his own throat. He survived, oh. but the injury required eight stitches to close How it. How does he survive these things? Like... Slitting his throat and stabbing himself in the chest, you would think, would be pretty, like, I don't know. Not a doctor, but (laughs) if I was, I would tell you how he survived it. Insane. A few months later, in October of 2008, Andre's defense would appeal his conviction, 
but the Texas Court of Appeals would uphold the jury's decision with the judge stating, although reasonable people may well differ on the questions of whether this applicant was sane at the time he committed these murders or competent at the time he was tried, those Mm -hmm. issues were appropriately addressed by the defense, the prosecution, trial judge, and the jury during the trial. This is a sad sad case. The applicant is clearly crazy, but he's also sane under Texas law. Wow. In 2008, they still didn't. Rachel, they still do it today in 2022. I'm so angry. Now, in Texas, um, I don't know too much about this. uh, So please take what I'm saying right now in a grain of salt. But I do know that something with the insanity defense changed and it made it more difficult to get after John Hinckley Jr. tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan, and he was able to get the insanity defense. And there was a lot of public outcry about that. And mm. they changed how accessible it is to use that defense, wow. for lack of a better, better term. But I don't know the exact specifics on that. So please don't quote me. Something I, It is something I want to look into because actually I just saw recently, maybe like not too recently, like a year ago, that John Hinckley Jr. is like trying to release some kind of like acoustic singing album and he's goddamn horrible so maybe we'll cover him one day because <laughs> it's awful it yeah. was fucking oh it was like cut my please cut my ears off do That's... something i can't hear this <laughs> i mean good for him for trying no but not good also, for him for trying is he well is he actually insane or no he wasn't i don't know i don't i don't know too much about it so i don't want to you know, quote on that, but yeah. I know that there was public outcry and they changed a bunch of things in Texas when it came to that. Oh. So, um, well, that probably Texas played a big that. role in Andre's and other, there's so many other cases to do with Texas and the insanity. There's mm-hmm. also another case. And I wish I could remember this guy's name, but he, um, they, they declare he's on death row as well. And they said that he wasn't insane and he was trying to to get an insanity defense and eventually like he fired his lawyers and tried representing himself and he was calling witnesses like jesus christ the pope and the easter bunny or some shit like it was <laughs> fucked and then they were like no he's not insane oh my god <laughs> like, that's in, like that is insane that, that, so, yeah no I, I, just... I, I maybe i'll try to find that case because like i was reading about i can't remember the guy's name people are probably screaming it at the people that are listening that no are probably screaming it right now at their whatever they're listening to this on but yeah that's an it's an interesting case something with the name of it <laughs> yeah tell us what it is i'd love to i want to cover it because it sounds really interesting anyways back to this yeah okay in december of 2008 andre would end up removing his only remaining eye and Stop. this time he would eat it no okay again pause. according oh sorry pause because I'm going to need to, so he, he remember, probably remembered how it felt the first time, decided to do it again, but this time eat it. And there is a reason why he ate it. According to journalist Mark Bookman, again, who I talked about earlier, uh, he says that Andre didn't want the government to read his thoughts. And so to prevent this from happening, he ate the eye because he was certain they would figure out a way to put it back in. And somehow then he'd be able, they'd be able to read his thoughts. And he also was convinced that they had kept his other eye and were getting information out of that. Stop. No. What is going through this guy's mind? I just want to know. Yeah. And like, 
help him help because him. to eat your own eye like yeah is that okay i, I don't even know my gag reflex is uh my yeah. gag reflex is too strong i it's like when you hear stories about people like hazing where they have to eat the goldfish in a frat house Ooh. I feel like I, eating your eye is a bit different. Like, did you it, it is, but I mean, like, yeah, I would Does assume you'd have to go right down the hatch. But what if I got? How big is it? God? Your eye is really big. I wouldn't yeah. imagine you probably would so, like, have I to feel chew like it. You'd have to at least bite it in half. Would it squish? Would you feel it? Like, was like the phantom limb, like a phantom eye? I don't think so. I hope and not. You, but like, it's you feeling. The sensation of eating. I your would. Own I eye. would imagine maybe his level of adrenaline would be up so high at that point that he wouldn't feel anything. So I'm gag. Like I'm just. I can't. I can't. Yeah. This poor man. This. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my god. Now, okay. after removing the second eye, Andre would be moved from the Polunsky unit, uh, the death row, more um, death row place, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and he would be moved to. Uh, Texas Department of Criminal Justice Jester 4 unit, which houses Texas prisoners with mental health problems. Oh, finally. So, so here, Andre... <laughs> to answer your previous yeah. question, how many eyes do I have to gouge out before you think that I have a, a problem? It wasn't one. It was two. <laughs> it was two. It was two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here, Andre would finally receive the psychiatric treatment that he needed, thankfully. Andre still resides there today and has been described as calm and compliant patient. He spends most of his time just sleeping, laying around in bed, or singing songs. He loves to sing, apparently. So Wow. I'm of- blown away. Yeah. Of course, Andre's attorneys, he does have new attorneys now. Oh, and thank goodness. They have continued to file appeals. In an article from AP News, uh, they state that Andre's attorney argued that Thomas's trial lawyers failed to challenge a judge's ruling that Thomas yeah. was found competent for trial. How about his judges failed him completely on all le- or not yep. his judges, his lawyers. Yeah. Failed him uh, on all levels. She also said that they didn't request a competency hearing, which you would think would be like the first fucking thing you do. Yeah. They failed to uncover and present to jurors a wealth of evidence demonstrating that Thomas's mental illness was profound and longstanding, meaning Mm -hmm. that it went back to early childhood. Mm -hmm. And they also allowed racially biased jurors to be impaneled. Thank you. They never, yeah. I like this new lawyer. She seems on top of shit. Now, of course, you won't be surprised to know that prosecutors disagree with that, (laughs) with what the defense is bringing to the table here. And they said that the defense team at the time were able to extensively interview jurors well if they did they did a shit job yeah um even though they literally asked so the prosecution and this is one thing that just like fucking just made my the hairs on my whole body stand up because i it just infuriated me so much that during closing arguments in andre's original trial the prosecution actually got up and they said to the jury okay And this Mm -hmm. is in reference to um, there was some white women that over the years Andre had dated. Mm -hmm. And um, so they asked the jury in reference to these witnesses that that testified on Andre's behalf. It said they asked them, where am I here? 
sorry, I'm so, I'm just thinking about it and I'm getting frustrated. So I've lost my spot. <laughs> um, they asked the jury if they could take the risk that Thomas, if not executed, would eventually be released on parole, come back to Grayson County and ask your daughter out or your granddaughter out what? after watching the string of girls that came up here and apparently and were apparently talked into being with him. Are you going to take that risk? Are you? And I'm not saying fucked? that they're being racist, but they know who they're talking to when yes. it comes to that jury that does not believe in interracial marriage or or coupling. They're 100% being and racist. They know exactly. The yes. They and I'm not going to call the prosecutor racist. Oh, but I he will. knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing by asking that question and it what? literally just Oh, my cat's going. Yeah. My cat is even just furious. You can hear him in the background singing (laughs) his piece back there. (sighs) They also stated Andre's mental illness was the result of drugs and alcohol, and that while the law protects the intellectually disabled from being executed, as well as juveniles, Mm -hmm. the law does not apply to someone with mental illness such as Andre Thomas. Wow. In 2020, Andre's case was brought before the United States Courts of Appeal. 2020? Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. But again, in April 2021, the Fifth Circuit upheld the trials. Last year. The court's verdict. Yeah, last year. Last year, year, they said. Somebody's still fighting for Andre. But Uh, they still said no. But they still said no, but he's still fighting for him. Now, since Andre's case, politicians have fought to change the wording relating to the insanity offense to include that not only should a defendant know the difference between right and wrong, they should also appreciate the consequences of their actions. So in Andre's case, it would be he knew that killing them was wrong, but in his mind, the consequence was that he was saving them. them. Yeah. And so he could not understand the consequence of his actions in this case. In my opinion, I I mean, everybody's going to have different opinions when it comes to this, but in my opinion, that's, that's what I think that wording would highlight for Andre. I'm so mad that it was just last year that they keep saying that they said, no, like mental health has progressed so far since 2008 that like I'm blown away. But it, it really hasn't in a lot of places. No, in like, well, that's what I mean. Like in the rest of the world, it has the, uh, so far. The under, Texas, and I think, but I think the understanding of mental health has progressed, but the resources, funding and all of that oh, still hasn't. Wow. It hasn't gone. Yes. The knowledge of it hasn't met up with like actually treating it. That's for sure. And plus 2021, that was in the middle of COVID. They probably even, they probably just did this over Zoom. They were yeah, they were probably just like, no, we're not doing it. You know because what? COVID. <laughs> the Zoom meeting got too long. We're just yeah. going to say no. Yeah. Now, oh. they also... These politicians will, they also argue that a jury should be informed of the consequences to being found not guilty by reason of insanity. And I know this sounds like common sense, but a lot of people might not know this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as it stands right now, jurors that are selected for an insanity trial, they're not informed that these defendants will be placed in a secure psychiatric facility. And if they are treated and deemed to, you know, have recovered or have their illness, mental illness under control, they're not told that when they're discharged that they will be closely monitored by law enforcement and the criminal justice system on an ongoing basis. They're not just sent out to be free in the world. And mm-hmm. also finding somebody, um, you know, insane, not guilty by reason of insanity, 
doesn't mean that they're just going to be able to go. And again, like I know I said that it sounds like common sense, but some people really truly don't know that. And Mm -hmm. they think that if they find somebody not guilty by reason of insanity, that this now insane person is going to be free to roam the streets and and murder other people. And that's simply not the case. That's not the case anywhere. I don't think. Um, I know in Canada, we have, um, we don't have the death penalty, obviously, but we have not criminally responsible, which is the same as getting not guilty by reason of insanity, more Mm -hmm. or less. And when there was the case of the guy on the Greyhound that he cut off somebody's head, Mm -hmm. um, again, aliens telling him to do it, voices in his head, he'd been struggling with undiagnosed schizophrenia for most of his life. He was found guilty, but he was not criminally responsible, essentially, right. because and so he was sent and this is a controversial case because he is out now again. Is he really? He's out. He was released, huh. I think, in 2015. And wow. he um is still being closely monitored by the criminal justice system. He's oh, checked yeah. up on, he has to make sure he's taking his meds, all of those things. Otherwise, he goes back to jail, right? Or yeah. he goes back into the psychiatric facility. They're yeah. not just free to roam and it they don't tell the jurors that. And I think, well, we, most of us probably know that that's the case. Some people truly don't. And so it makes it really difficult for them when they deliberate. Right. So somebody yeah. like, um, like Andre Thomas, they've sentenced him to death because they truly don't want this insane person going back out into the, into the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So advocates also argue that someone with untreated mental illness should be treated the same as those with intellectual disabilities yeah. or juveniles with respect to the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Because we know that somebody with intellectual disabilities or a juvenile, they cannot be sentenced to death. Okay. Mm-hmm. They state that although they should be held accountable for their crimes, which I absolutely agree with, um, and especially one with the sort of magnitude as, as the crime that Andre yeah. Thompson committed, they still lack the understanding that is necessary for someone to be put to death. So 100%. I don't, and I, again, this is just me, my opinion, I don't believe that Andre Thompson understands the implications of being put to death understands his sentence fully no now i did come across in my research a petition um for the non-execution of andre lee thomas so if that's something anyone's interested in i will post it in the show notes hell yeah um and hopefully we can get this guy off death row and treated the way he needs to be treated for his mental illness and you know, just like keep pushing right to your governors in Canada, we can write to our MPs really push for that mental health support. So something like this doesn't happen again. Um, yeah, it's so man, important. Like he got, he got shit on his whole life. It sounds his like. entire life. So disheartening of the systems, you know, yeah. like they so failed him. Yeah. And I'm always on the fence with the death penalty. I think there's people out there that truly deserve to be put to death. Ted Bundy, John Wayne sure. Gacy, yep. easy. They had the evidence. These guys were not remorseful whatsoever. No, um, I, I truly believe they knew the difference between right and wrong and chose wrong oh, yeah. just because that was their fucking who they were. Um, however, I believe that there's some people who shouldn't be executed. I think mm-hmm. that there's times where that's just simply not the right course of action. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. Because uh, wow, death penalty can be quite controversial, and I don't want to <laughs> get get too political here. But um, that was yeah. a doozy. Yeah, I Thanks, hope it gives Erica. everybody something to think about. 
um, when it comes to mental health and the death penalty. So yeah. Yeah. Damn. And a little bit shorter of an episode today, but no, it is what it is. We'll come back. I've got a really a big one. one. Got a really big one for next week. So oh. I've been working my ass off. It might be a two-parter. Ooh, I love a good so, two-parter. Yeah, peeps are gonna like it. Cool. Well, yeah. I can't wait to hear it. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Story Crime Pod. And if you want to send me a nice little email, maybe telling me that court case that insanity case of the guy trying to call the pope as a witness you can email me at storycrimepod at gmail.com and if you think i might need help reading about that you can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com i'll set that up in the show notes and maybe i can get a book on the subject that's where all of our donations go to yay thank you everyone for listening we love you all and we'll see you next time bye bye I don't know why I always wave. <laughs>